0: Today, on It's Time. Now, again, they saw the Egyptian army wiped out in the sea. Three days before, they were all having this grand song and worship service. And then just three days later, whoa, what have I got to drink, Moses? I hear the
1: calling, it's time,
0: it's time, it's
1: time. Welcome to It's Time. The daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. This town is blue.
0: Things that God says, if you don't honor me, no rain will fall on your land. I wonder if the great drought that we've had for the last 20 years, where they say Lake Mead is now so low... And Lake Powell is so low that they can no longer pump out of it, which is going to create water shortages throughout all of the Southwest, Nevada, Arizona, Southern California, uh, New Mexico, Nevada. All those places are running out of water. And I think, how sad. Because really, I believe if we would repent and, try and call on the name of the Lord, the rain would come. But when we are in rebellion to God, God does things to get a country's attention. And so he says here, God fights for his nation. Verse six, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And your greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You set forth your watch, which con- which consumed them like stubble. By the way, they were so excited and so blessed when the enemies of Egypt were wiped out in the sea that they just all of a sudden just break forth in song and start singing and praising God. I think that's kind of interesting because it wasn't pre-programmed; it was just something that came out of their heart. Now notice that Moses did this, the congregation of Israel. They were led. In fact, as we get farther into this chapter, you're going to find that Miriam, Moses' sister, and Aaron's sister, older sister, um, led the women in worship. And by the way, I do believe people will break out in song when they see others doing that. That's why I want to be careful when you're, you know, if you're around... Um, you know, Danny Doldrum and, 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 and everything is bad and everything is down. I can find that that'll pull you down. But you know, when you, when you have a relationship with God, you go, okay, God, well, you got me through this. You got me through that. Hey, let's, let's praise God. See, that's one of the good things. I can be having a pretty bad day. And if I get around the saints, like this morning when I, during the worship, man, I was blessed the tears. All of a sudden I just realized, you know, Whatever it was that was bothering me when I came in here ain't bothering me no more. Why is that? Because my focus changes from my problems to God who fixes the problem so important in our lives. So he says, in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You set forth your wrath, which consumed them like stubble. Verse eight, in the blast of your nostrils, the water "'Gathered together, the floods stood upright like a heap, "'and the depths of congealed have been in the sea. "'And the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, "'I will divide the spoil. "'My desire shall be satisfied on them. "'I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. "'You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, "'and they sank like lead in the mighty waters.'" Who is like you, O Lord, amongst the gods? Now, this is really important. Who's among you, God, amongst the other gods? What's interesting here is the Bible acknowledges that there's other gods. There's other things that can captulate your fancy. But there's a true God that overrides all the others. How important then is it that I endeavor to know who this real God is over, as the Bible says here, the other gods, the gods that doesn't mean anything, the gods that capsulate the people's minds in the world today, the things that they serve. Oh, you don't think I've really never met an atheist. I've met people that say, oh, I'm an atheist. No, you're not. You believe in something or you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. What lights your fire? What turns you on? What's your buzz, baby? Tell me, what is it? Because there's something that lights your fire. Something that causes you to put your shoes on the morning and get out of bed. That's your God. Now, maybe it's driving your car. Maybe it's it's going to school to get your diploma. Might, there's a lot of different gods that are out there. But there's only one true God that overrules all the others. And that's what it says here. Who is like you? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. And by the way, if you're a Christian here this morning, you're a candidate for God's miracles. Remember that. I shared this years ago, but I, when I, I, I had gone to church pretty much my whole life. I got tired of church. I really wanted to know who God was. And some friends invited me to church and I went and I was expecting the same old thing that I had experienced because no one really taught the Bible. It was just a bunch of flowery words. And I remember I came into church and there they were worshiping like we worshiped here this morning. And the pastor got up and began to teach the Bible. And I was shocked. I I didn't know what's he doing? (laughs) I'm not hearing about how, you know, putting Jesus in your pocket, you're going to climb to the top. This guy was actually telling us what the Bible said. And I, I remember that. And, and what I, what I was taken back by was that in doing that, I was so touched. I was so uh, overwhelmed. Um, and on the back of the church, it said, expect a miracle. Written across the... And I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. Why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible and today don't know nothing? Or is he doing things, but without expecting him to do something, I won't see it, or he won't do it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the scripture tells us. So is God endeavoring to do miracles, but I'm blocking his power because I don't believe, A, or two, is God doing miracles in my life because I'm, you know, I'm dumb, I don't recognize, hey, that was a miracle. You should have died in that intersection. Or that guy blew through it. You should have You should have uh, uh, gotten fired. You should have. And uh, you look at all the things that w- should have been, could have been. And you go, well, God, man, you've been with me the whole time. I, I'm sorry I didn't recognize it. I need to put on my sunglasses. S-O-N glasses. Whoa, miracles are everywhere. You see, it makes a difference. Because I, I become numb because of the things of the world. Wow, pure luck. No, Christians don't have luck. I believe your footsteps, if you're a Christian, are divinely ordained by God. Makes a big difference. And so when we stop to realize and think about it, if you're not a Christian here today, I want you to know a couple of things. Well, number one, God's hand has been on you. Even though you did not know him, he had his hand on you. Just as God had his hand on Pharaoh, by the way, God showed Pharaoh 10 times his divine power. Think about that for a minute. Here is a person 100% opposed to God. And God says, I'm going to continue to show you, Pharaoh, that I'm God. Man, talk about close encounters of the real kind. I mean, there it was. God's grace extended to Pharaoh, showing him that God was God and he wasn't. Because again, in the Egyptian culture, they exalted their Pharaohs into the elevation of Godhood. And, and so he, he was showing him that he was God. Now that, that's really God's grace in a person's life. But God shows us that same thing as well if we're willing to see it. God is as much a God of miracles today as he was in the Bible. So he says, Who is like you? And of course, no one. Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. You stretched out your hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your mercy you have led forth people whom you have redeemed, and you have guided them In your strength, to your holy habitation, the people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Pelisha. The chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling at the hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O God, till they pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance in the place, O God, which you have made for your own dwelling, sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. What's, why is that important? Because 40 years after what we're reading, after they'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, we remember the children of Israel went into the promised land. And as they went into the promised land, they came and we remember they came to a place where Rahab the harlot was. And she said to the spies, we know what your God did to the Egyptians. 40 years ago, it was still very much real in their minds. The dread of the God of Israel coming against them caused fear. And Rahab said, promise me this, I've been kind to you, preserve me. And they said, hang a scarlet thread out of the window and anybody that's in your building, we will not harm. And it is interesting that through that type of Christ, that red scarlet rope hanging out that they were preserved and went on to be in the lineage of Christ you have to look at this, God knows who loves him, Rahab, though she was an evil woman she was a repented woman in which God spared now, he tells us here the Lord will reign forever and ever and someday friends, he will We're just this sigh of the seven year tribulation period, then the millennial reign of Christ and then eternity with him in the new Jerusalem. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and the horsemen into the sea and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Something interesting, too much water, not a good thing. Not enough water, Not a good thing. It just takes the right amount, okay? Pharaoh's army had too much water. Now, as we read up here a little bit farther, we're going to see they ran out of water. And so it says, Miriam the prophetess, sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her, with tremble and dance, and Miriam answered them and said, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider has thrown been thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness to Shur, and they went three days wilderness and found no water. And that's about as long as a human can go without water is three days. So they were running on empty. Now when they came to Mira. They could not drink the waters of Mirah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of the place was called Mirah, or bitter. They come, they see water, and they go, oh, yay, yay. And they get there, and the water's no good. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Now, again, they, they saw the pillar of fire. They saw the pillar of smoke. They saw the Egyptian army wiped out in the sea. Three days before, they were all having this grand song and worship service. And then just three days later, well, what am I got to drink, Moses? So he cried out to the Lord. And I think that was wise for what Moses do. When you get a problem, cry out to the Lord. Don't just spaz out. Go to God and say, God, help. And the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters the waters were made sweet and he made a statute and an ordinance for them and there he tested them they didn't do well on their test god showed moses a tree and put the tree branches in the water and somehow it fixed the water now did it cause the the calcium and the and the all that stuff to sink to the bottom Was it just a divine miracle that God did with this tree? I don't know. But I know this, that in our lives, we got a lot of bitter pools in our lives, don't we? You know what those are? When someone mentions somebody's name and you go, (coughs) that's a bitter pool. You ever notice that? Or a place where maybe life wasn't so good to you there and you went, (coughs) those are bitter pools. But you know what's really interesting? When you put the cross in, when you put the wood that Jesus died on in that pool, the waters are made sweet. Because instead of it being a bitterness, I can say, Lord, what did you want to show me through that? You know, the place of Mirah was a place where God showed the children of Israel he could take something unfit to use and make it sweet. Now you think about that for your own life. Who heals you? If you're not a Christian here today, what, who goes through your life and helps you repair the damage that life, people, experience has done to you? You don't think that's real? Hey man, we're all walking wounded. But you know, one of the great things is when you add the cross of Christ into your life, for this reason, Christ died. And I've always shared this with everything. Everyone, when you look back at your life, I look at it through the cross of Christ. For this reason, Christ died. When I look forward, I see a risen Savior who leads me where he wants me to be. If you're not a Christian, you are going to somewhere to find relief for those bitter pools. Maybe it's a bong. Maybe it's a six pack. Maybe it's, it's some other indulgence. Because you're running from the sins you can't erase. You're running from the things that you can't separate naturally from. And by the way, you can't. Because they have become part of you. Your experiences become part of us. And so what God does then through the cross is he allows us to separate those events from who I am. And no longer can those things drag me back But now, as the Bible says, we're new creatures in Christ. You need to be a new creature in Christ today. And so it says, the waters were made sweet and he made a place and this was a satchel or a test for them. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, seventy palm trees, and so they camped by there, the waters there. It's interesting. The Bible doesn't say there was any great lesson to be learned where everything was convenient. Twelve walls of water, seventy palm trees. Okay, I'm comfy. Hey, I don't grow much when I'm in an amusement park, unless you're on a ride that breaks and people are flying off. Then, yeah, I, 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 I got to tell you guys a funny story. I was at Disneyland years ago. This was years ago, and they had this new ride. I, I can't remember which one it was. It was after the Matterhorn, but it was their big roller coaster ride. And this guy comes out dressed in a, in a thing. And he said, would you like to go on a new ride? And I said, um, okay. So he said, walk this way. So we walked back and there were two by fours still laying on the ground. Uh, the, the, it was under construction. I said, well, is it safe? He goes, no, that's fine. We just haven't cleaned all this up yet. We just want to get some people's opinion of this ride. So we got in. They brought the bar down. We're sitting there, and there was only like two or three of us on this little trolley. There was several cars, and we were just the only ones sitting in there. And I thought, this is this is how you die, because <laughs> this is weird. I I mean, I was a crash test dummy, and, and I'm sitting there, and, and the light turns green, and here we go. And I I, I couldn't help but notice, like you know. Buckets of, of whatever it was, like taping mud and, and, and I really was surprised they let us do this. And I, I got on this thing and it was the most violent ride I have ever been on in my life. I was slamming from one side to the other side. And when I got back to the thing, I mean, I was bruised. I was hurt. And I, and the guy goes, what did you think? And I said, you're going to kill people on this thing. Because it was too fast. Now, they slowed it down. I, I believe that was when it was at like 112 miles an hour. And they slowed it now. I think now today it's like 60 or something. It's half as fast as it was. But I I, I was absolutely overwhelmed. I, I just go, you're going to kill people on this. There's experiences that we go through in life that that unless I believe God is there with us, we would really be freaked out. But the thing is, I don't generally learn much when I'm, I'm, I, everything's going my way. It's when I am faced with a trial, like the people were at Mira versus the 12 wells of water in the 70 palm trees. They didn't, doesn't say anything how they grew and, oh, God was good. No, they, they grew. The test was at Mira. If you're going through a place in your life that seems to be bitter, put the cross in there. Allow God to come and forgive you and and restore you. The Bible says he wills this morning if you're not a Christian. Your past is haunting you. I don't care who you are. I know that it does. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, the tape rolls. Some people have said to me, I just can't shut my brain off at night. That's right. Because you have become part of the things of your past. You need to decouple that because those things are not you. All the psychology in the world, all the pep talks in the world, all the motivational speaking in the world will never, ever separate you from the experiences of your past. But Jesus can. You put the wood in there. You put the wood that Christ died on in there and he will separate you. You are not the experiences that you have experienced. You can learn from them, but they're not you anymore. Old things pass away, Paul says, behold, all things become new. Why does he say that? Because you're not limited by your experiences of your past. Being about your daddy's business is going to cause you to have a brand new horizon. Not only does God forgive you of those sins, not only does God separate you from those things, but he makes you a brand new person in him. That's what you need. That's what we all need. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, you need to repent. That means stop living for yourself. Stop trying to run from the sins you can't erase. And say, okay, God, I surrender. You take Pharaoh's army and cast it into the sea. You know, that's a type of baptism is the, the sea closing over the Egyptians. You know, they came out of slavery on their way to the promised land. When we come out of slavery to Pharaoh, Satan, we go through a baptism and we're on our way to the promised land. And the horse and rider, those things that used to torment you, are thrown into the sea. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to consider Christ. First of all, to accept him as your savior. But then a reason to live for, you have a purpose. And that's to say, okay, God, from now on, what do you want me to do? You were designed by God for a reason here on this earth. Have you spent 10 minutes this week asking him what it is? Well, I want to encourage you to do that. But you see, you got to be his. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Repent from the foolish way you've lived. Accept what he did for you on the cross. That would that you need to separate you from your past. The Bible says he will. If you need to pray, let's pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus name. I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. So separate me now from the things of the past and allow me now to live each day new in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to be about your business. I believe Jesus rose from the dead to give me life every day. And so write my name in your book of life forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.